Thank you for joining us for the All Access Coaches Corner podcast. We are so excited to continue serving coaches, sharing their stories, and spotlighting their programs. Stay connected as we bring you more special guests and more real conversations covering all aspects of the game. You can find our show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at allaccess underscore cc. Subscribe to the All Access Network YouTube channel and join us in the All Access Coaches Corner. Today we sit down with Stephen F. Austin, assistant coach Wade Mason. Can't say enough about this episode. Maybe one of my favorites that I may ever do. Wade Mason has an incredible story about overcoming um, challenges as a youth all the way through his career, um, navigating as a professional to then having some great success to then having a cancer battle with stage four cancer that he almost lost his life. Can't say enough about him as a man, can't say enough about him as a coach, and what a warrior and inspirational story you will hear about losing not being an option and about letting go and letting God. Can't wait for you guys to join us in Coach's Corner with Wade Mason. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. Welcome to All Access Coaches Corner. Uh, so excited today, this morning, we have a really important guest to me, uh, a friend of mine, uh, one of the best coaches in college basketball. He's been recognized uh, by several publications here recently about his work in college basketball, uh, conference champion at Stephen F. Austin, assistant there, uh, great man, great man of God, uh, family man, uh, really good basketball coach all the way around, known as uh, an elite recruiter, but also somebody who gets it done in between the lines with the X's and O's and strategy. And, uh, just a guy who uh, not afraid to say who he is and what he thinks. And definitely a guy who's a competitor and a warrior. And uh, like I said, I'm just excited to have him on, share more of his story. Um, so not not many times you get to, to be honored with a guest like Wade Mason, because this is not really his thing, but I'm, I'm grateful that he's willing to come on and share today. So yeah, welcome. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, looking forward to it. So we'll, we'll just go ahead and j- jump straight into it, man. Tell everybody that doesn't know you, and even those that do, who, who is Wade Mason? Um, well, yeah, that introduction was, uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm what this is, what you get. I'm, I'm, I'm all the publications and all that stuff really don't mean much to me, but uh, Wade Mason, originally from um, New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, it's just just a regular person, man, trying to impact lives um, the best way I can. Um, using uh, using uh, what God's given me to try to reach some of these guys outside of just 
um, you know, just a normal interaction. Uh, I, I was blessed with the ability to play basketball and understand the game. And and, and I come from where a lot of these uh, young men that I deal with on a daily basis come from. So I'm just I'm just doing what you know what 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 what, what God placed me here to do. Simple, simple, and what you say is what you get. No doubt, no doubt, no uh, no holding any punches, no uh, no faking, no none of that. You know, it's nah, as, as real as it gets. That's what I love about you. So, j tell us about New Orleans. Tell us about kind of your upbringing. Tell us about um, family. Uh, I know you have an extensive uh, basketball kind of family tree too. So, just tell us a little bit about the New Orleans upbringing, what that place means to you, and how that helps shape who you are. Um, like I said, originally born in New Orleans, Louisiana, man. Um, and, and New Orleans is family. Family is everything to me, from my immediate family to, um, you know, my neighborhood family. Just family is everything to me. Um, it's, 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 it's molded me to who I am today. Um, just just to stay humble, keep it real, and, and never forget where you come from. Um, raised by my grandmother, man. Um, my dad was off on, he was a Vietnam vet off on drugs, doing his own thing. My mom, same deal. She was on drugs, doing her own thing. So I uh, was raised by my grand, my grandmother. So, um, you know, when you, when, when you, people understand when you around OGs, old people, you know, they instill, you know, old school more values in you. So uh, that's definitely uh, embedded in me to this day. But, um, you know, being raised by my grandmother, man, she really couldn't, control a you know a young wild african-american male who thought he was slicker than she was and thought he knew more than she knew um she did the best she could but um when i speak on neighborhood and my hood that's who raised me um you know those guys told me when i was young like you don't want to be on the block you're not a guy that want to spend the rest of your life in jail um be better than us and that was kind of my focus man and then um at the same time i was blessed enough you know when i was making the wrong turns you know when i when i when i was infatuated with um street fame and fast money um my ninth grade year my cousin um made it to the league he wasn't drafted he made it to the league so once he made it to the league man it was like okay there's another way you know i mean there is another way you don't have to be a rapper or sell drugs you know there is another way so that kind of put my life on a different path, man. And, um, you know, I was, I was, like I said, I was blessed and fortunate um, to have him in my life. And that was a, a, a total 360. You went from, uh, you know, being on food stamps, being on welfare, uh, you know, till you having a, you having a, a blood cousin playing, in a, playing at the highest level. Um, and everybody's lives changed, you know, not only his and me and my immediate family, but my entire neighborhood, because he was one who took care of everybody. So, um, you know, that's, um, it's like I said, man, it's all, it was embedded in me from old school values by my grandmother, um, OGs in my neighborhood, to, to my cousin making it and giving back, you know, just something, something, you know, just, just in me, something I have to do, something, that's all I know. You know, so um, like I said, man, a lot of blessings, a lot of prayers, and um, to have me here today, definitely. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. And in that street, anywhere we're from is what, what makes us who we are. You know, that's yep. the foundation. You know? No doubt. 
So obviously you jumped into the college basketball lane. Uh, what what did you take from going? Tell us your college basketball route, even your high school route. Uh, obviously you're a really good player for those that don't know. Um, and we'll get more into that. But how did how you were raised in the foundation of New Orleans, how did that help you as you kind of navigated through your playing career? Yeah, um, high school, you know, played little, little kid ball, whatever, whatever. Um, I was always pretty good um, at, at all sports. Baseball and, and football was my thing. Football, number one, baseball, number two. Um, I, I didn't start playing organized basketball to ninth grade. I mean, I played in the neighborhoods and, you know, in the parks and whatever, but um, just organized coach officials, I didn't start playing to ninth grade. Um, and was fortunate, man. Uh, um, AAU coach saw me play and was like, man, you have a lot of raw ability. Uh, we want you to try out for this AAU team. At the time, it was only two AAU teams in the city, New Orleans, and it was prestigious, a big deal. Um, as you can imagine, having two teams in one city. Uh, I never forget, man, going to the tryout and there's a gym full of dudes and there's people everywhere. And, you know, just that the way I was raised and in and, and, and my neighborhood upbringing, like basketball might not be my thing, but if it's going to be me or them, it's going to be me. And I wound up making a team, man. And from that AAU team, they kind of funded us to a certain high school and uh, it was an all-males high school, all-male African-American high school, um, very competitive in the classroom, on the court. It, it's just, it just was competitive in everything we did. And, um, I mean, was able to play with some great guys, um, a bunch of alumni who took me under their wing, um, guys like Kerry Kittles, guys like Avery Johnson. Avery actually paid my high school tuition. Uh, Donna Royal just – a bunch of guys who took me under their wing and, and, and just told me, um, you know, the right way to do things and the standard and, uh, you know, the culture of St. Augustine High School and either, you know, I was go, you know, have 10 toes in, I can get out. i never forget, man, my first day of school, man. Um, we, I, I was in class with this one dude and we was from rival projects. His project didn't like my project, my project didn't like his. And it was, it was normally something we would handle on the street. So throughout the whole day, man, he just kept talking, kept this, kept that, kept this. So after school, man, he was asking me, we, you know, school dismissed and everybody going to their lockers. And uh, he was on the water fountain. I happened to see him on the water fountain, like getting water. And I'm like, oh, no. So I ran and punched him while he's on the water fountain. Blood everywhere up everybody. It's pandemonium. Everybody's going crazy. So i never forget, Kerry Kittles ran and grabbed me dragged me down the hallway and he was like man we don't do that here like you can't you we, we can't you can't do that here it's not the street and and it was like a light clicked after that like okay all right I'm not I'm not on the street like it's not survival savage mode like these people are here to help like this can change my life and from then on man it was like okay um they invest in me like let me get in my heart and that's what I decided to do and Fortunately, man, we won a national championship um, my senior year, which was 1995, and that was a hell of a class, man. For people that don't know, the 95 class was unbelievable. Stephon Marbury, Chauncey Billups, Vince Carter. I mean, that's just to name a few. Ryan Mercer. There were so many dudes, man. We played a national schedule. 
Um, got to play against a lot of those guys. Tim James, I remember him being a killer. Tim James was real. He was, he was good. And we, we was fortunate enough to win it that year, man. And um, like I said, it all goes back to my, my upbringing. You got local black kids from an all-black high school, all-black male high school, um, won a national championship. And it just enthused the whole hood, the whole city. Like, it made us feel like we were somebody. And until this day, people talk about it, man. And, you know, like that's something I always carry with me. Um, and then after that, man, I was fortunate enough um, to go to Tyler Junior College. At the time, my head coach wanted me to go to Oak Hill. But young and dumb, I didn't know what that was. They was like, man, you got to wear uniforms and this and that. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing that again. I did that four years here. I'm not doing that. Like, right. So, But young and dumb, I look back on it now like, damn, I could have went with Ryan Merson. Wayne Turner, all those dudes, but uh, man, I wound up going to uh, Tyler Junior College, which was a great experience. Um, the most talent that I've ever played with in my life, talent. It was, it was we had, we had real dudes. Well, number one JUCO player in the country, first of all, Jermaine Owsley. I mean, Tony Mayfield went to Purdue. Rob Turner went to Indiana. I mean, our, our JUCO team was amazing. Um, and then from JUCO, I was fortunate enough to. Uh, get an offer back home, to go back home to Tulane, which um, that move wasn't about me. Uh, and I had, a, I had a bunch of offers coming out of JUCO, but when Tulane called, it was like, I'm going back home. You know what I mean? Like that's a part of, first of all, Tulane is, you know, a, a high academic institution and it's located in a part of New Orleans where my kind don't visit frequently. Right. That's a part, that's a part of the city where if you get caught being where I'm from, you're going to jail. You know, so um, you know, my whole thing was, man, I, I get to go back home. Um, my my family get to experience a different life. Like my 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 um my family get to cross my boys. They get to cross the tracks. They get to come on two land campus with me, and and um you know the the the, the two years I'm there might be two years I could save someone's life because I'm home and they can see me and I you know they can experience what I'm experiencing on this campus and being around these different type people. Um, so that was my motivation for going back home, and you know, I was just, you know, I was able to get my degree, and I, 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 and I took it personal um, because I wanted um, kids from my project and my neighborhood to see, like, man, we can go to Tulane, we can graduate, you can do this, you can, you can do what Robert Pack did, you can do what Marshall Falk did. Um, you don't have to be a drug dealer, you don't have to be a killer, you don't have to be a rapper. You know, you, 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 you can do this and and, and still be a cool dude. You know, so that was my motivation, man. Um, and that was kind of, you know, that background. And I carry that with me to this day. You know, when I talk to these young men on a daily basis and, you know, let them know where I come from and that my experiences were a lot worse than theirs. I didn't have parents. A lot of these dudes have parents. These dudes have cars. Like, not, nobody in my family had a car, man. So, you know, so um, I just try to let them know, you know, what I went through. Um, I know what they're going through. Um, my coaching style is totally different because I've been there, I've done that. Um, you know, and like I said, I was a lot worse off than they were. And and it's just my way of touching them and, and you know, just hands-on than rather touching them from a distance. And at the end of the day, Brian, I'm 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 blessed, man. Trust me. Um <laughs> people have no idea. Like my family, my immediate family tell me all the time, boy, you need to write a book. Like people have no idea, man. My my dad died of a heroin overdose. My mom been on crack cocaine since I was six, raised by my grandmother. It just, it just, you know, it just 
people have no clue, man. Um, I, I look at some of these dudes, some of these kids these days, man, and I'm like, man, they couldn't last a day in my shoes, you know, but um, it was a lot of blessings, man. Like I said, grandma's prayers, some powerful prayers, man. And 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 and, and um, not only hers, but uh, I I can definitely say I caught her many day many a days in tears praying for me, and um, it paid off, man. It paid off. I'm thankful, and like I said, I, I owe it all owe it all to God, man. Cause without Him, I know they had a cell waiting for me. I mean, I know they did, you know. Yeah, I love uh, I love that you just were willing to come on today, man. Like I said, I'm I've been so excited because I just think more people need to know your story. Uh, I've obviously gotten to know you from being in the same league during my Lamar days and yeah. uh, actually even before that when you were at ORU when I was at ATU. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we kind of got linked up. and Yeah. So just being able to see your career through the through the time and uh, obviously knowing your faith, that's a lot of – that's one part people probably don't know as much about you, even yeah. though you were at ORU and then even just uh, – people know how real you are, but people don't know maybe how great of a story you have and, 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 and who you are and what your heart is and even to give back to these kids. So – I'm glad you're on here today, man. Um, I love that you touched on so many things from your from your upbringing and your journey. I'm curious, what was it like, man, and how did you make that assimilation to – I love that you went back home, right, and you had other options, but it meant something to you, and I think that says a lot about who you are. Yeah. But not only did you go back home, but you did something similar, how I perceive it anyway, to what your cousin did. Your cousin made it out and gave people hope in the city. And you came back to the city and came to the other side of the city that most of the time, you know, like you said, the people from your neighborhood or that you were close to, they didn't get to see that side near as much. Not only were you there, but you were uh, one of the, one of the you know, star players on the team. Uh, and, and let's be honest, Tulane from an academic standpoint is a higher standard. So most people from um, in your circle that you grew up with probably couldn't have made it academically there probably couldn't have made it uh socially there so tell us a little bit about that part of way mason and, and how did you make that transition um and, and what do you feel like even if you don't maybe know the impact you had what do you think that did for some of those people to give hope to to pay it forward i mean it was tough man uh hey hey i'm, I'm not i'm not gonna never sit here and tell you it wasn't tough man um i never forget my very first day man on campus I had a I had a, a prob stat class, statistics, man, and I walk in the class, man, and first of all, it's, it's movie theater type seating, so you know, of course I'm late, you know, movie theater type seating, man. I look in there, man, it's like every seat's full. It's like 200 people in there, and it's like mm, three or four black faces. And I turn around, I'm like, nah, this ain't gonna work. And I walk back, man, from that class from that class was on St. Charles Avenue, which was the Peyton Mannings, the uh, Drew Brees, where those guys live. So I walked from where that class was on St. Charles Avenue, I walked back to Claiborne, where the basketball offices were. To people that know New Orleans, that's a pretty long walk. And uh, probably about five blocks, six blocks. And I, I mean, I walked back, man, to the coach's office and I told Perry Clark and Julia Smith, Two two guys I love to death. I told both of them, I said, Coach, this ain't gonna work, man. Like this, this ain't enough. This ain't gonna work. So I've never seen that many Caucasians in my life, man. Like, I walk in there all looking at me, this ain't gonna work. And they they both was like, 
Wade, like you, you, you got to do it. You know what I mean? Like I know this is different from you. It's gonna be a process. You got to do it. And you know that, like I say, man, I had a lot of people in my corner, man, who's pushing me. Um, it was never about me. Um, I just knew that I couldn't fail. I mean, like, like I couldn't fail. Um, I couldn't let people down. Um, I had made that decision and I had to take my lick. It was like, I, I gotta do it, you know? Um, and, and and not only to save my life, but it saved a lot of people's life. Like I say, man, I'm telling you, I would, I would go from campus. When I first got there, I would go from campus to the hood. Campus to the hood. I mean, I would leave and go home and I'm still on the block. Dude selling drugs, everybody got guns. I mean, I just, I just, I was comfortable with that. I wasn't comfortable with Tulane campus. Right. And over time, man, over time, I was like, you know what? Like, I need to use this, man. I would go into barbershops and go in the hood and just talk to those dudes. Like, man, just come hang with me, man. Like, just, just come on, just come uptown with me. Like, meet some of the girls and, you know, just anything to get them to come. And slowly but surely, man, a lot of my boys start coming, stay with me. Uh, a lot of them would live with me off and on, whatever the case may be, sleep by me hang on campus, make their own separate friends on campus. And like I said, man, saved a lot of lives. I mean, I remember one time I'm going to the neighborhood and uh, one of my boys, um, I, I'm over there giving out Tulane gear. Man, at the end of the year, I would take all our gear and all our shoes and go in the neighborhood and give it out. So I'm in the neighborhood, I'm in the neighborhood, man, never forget, man. I remember the street I was on. I'm passing out stuff to everybody's shoes and sweats to everything, giving all my stuff away. And uh, one of my boys came by on the bike. And I'm like, man, what's up, man? What's going on, man? What's up? He's like, man, nothing, man. About to go handle this. I'm like, handle what? He was like, that boy outside sitting on this porch. I'm going to kill him. I was like, hold on, man. Like, do what you do, but I don't want, I don't need to be around this. Let me, let me get away from this. And as I got in the car, man, I'm driving back to campus. I'm like, damn, man, like, he's going to kill somebody else that I know. You know, and I, and, and, that that was something I control. I mean, it just was something. Now to this day, we talking. You know, I, you know, he's in jail now. We talking, talk about the mishaps and all this kind of stuff we did. But that was something I can control, man. And that 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 drove me even further to make sure I get my degree and just be like, you know, kind of billboard for somebody that made it out of the hood because, like, Marshall Falk was out of the project. He was a legend. Um, Robert Pack was out of the project. He was a legend, and and I was next. But I was deeper. I was deeper in the street than than those dudes were. You know what I mean? I was younger. I didn't have a mom and dad like they had. I was deep in the streets. I was doing whatever, stealing, hustling, whatever I had to do um, to make ends meet. And like I said, I was infatuated with the fast money, man. So. Um, you know, once I got opportunity to, to to change my life and change the dynamics of other people's lives, I wasn't going to fail no matter what it took. I mean, I was going to get my degree. I was going to graduate. I was going to do whatever I had to do right. to, make, to make myself fit in, even if it meant being uncomfortable every day. It was a, it was a lot of uncomfortable days, man. Like I say, man, them dudes, they didn't dress like me. They didn't eat like me. They didn't talk like me. Like, I was real New Orleans. There was down there for school in Mardi Gras, like I lived that, you know? So um, it benefited me, it benefited my family, it benefited my friends. And it also benefited a lot of people I met on campus um, who I'm friends with to this day because 
they all got to see a different side of the city. And a lot of times they would want to come with me, you know, to see outskirts right. of Tulane campus. They right. want to see the city city. They want to see, you know, um, uh, the hood side of Mardi Gras, not right. the side of Mardi Gras you see on CNN. Right. You know, so, you know, like I said, it, it all worked out, but it took me um, getting uncomfortable. Definitely took me to get uncomfortable, but always had that belief and that drive that I couldn't fail because, as I said, it wasn't about me, man. When I made the decision to go to Tulane, it definitely wasn't about me. I mean, you think I wanted to go to a school where they cared more about academics than sports? No, I didn't want to do that, but I knew that this was much, much, much more bigger than me, man. This was for my neighborhood, for my family, for my high school. Yep. Um, it, this was a, for a lot of people. I, I was the last one on the totem pole for this one. This was for everybody else. And, and I knew in my heart, that this was my NBA. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I made it to the league. My cousin made it to the league. If I didn't make it to the league, what legacy could I leave? So I approached that like, this was my NBA. This was my yeah. legacy. Yeah. Right away from Tulane, everybody see that like, man, this dude like went to a white school and made it. And he still can come in the neighborhood and be the same dude. And, right. and that was, like I said, man, that was my NBA. That, what, what was it like way when you actually graduated and when you had the basketball success? Because it's not like you guys were when I mean, you guys had basketball success. So what was what were both of those things like as you maybe walked across the stage and you look back like, man, I, I, I did it. You know, what I mean, did you do it in the way you thought? Was it better than you thought? Because you had a vision when you went in. Yeah, it, it was um, it was fulfilling. Um, you know, I, I can't say. Um, it was never about me, but in that moment, it was about it was about me. I mean, I was proud that I was able um, you know, walk across the stage with people who were frankly well off. Their last name's not Kennedy, but you know, um, you know, I, I made it. I accomplished the same thing they accomplished. Now, um, my graduation dinner was gonna be at the Sizzler. <laughs> I mean, instead of Root Chris Steakhouse like theirs, but we treated it like it was Ruth Chris, you know, my, my, you know, everybody was, like I said, man, my mom was there. Um, she, she was happy, probably don't, probably was high as a kite and don't understand what was going on at the time, but my grandmother dressed up and made her come, you know, um, my dad was there. Um, like I say, probably high as a kite, but my family made him come. Um, it just was a moment for everybody, man. Like everybody talk about it. And, um, even, all my friends, um, I had a cousin who was an NBA. And when I walked across the stage, this dude ran down the aisle, like, you know, like rent, you and the, you know, and everybody in the audience looking like, wow, like I had this one girl, she's from Philly. Um, Nicole, her name is Nicole, she's from Philly. But she uh she was like, hey, when I sat back down in my seat, she was like, Hey, you think your family can cheer for me like that? Like it was like <laughs> crazy. Cool. And it was like the That's only cool. ghetto family in the whole graduation. You know, they tell you don't clap and hold your applause. Nah, that, that's not happening with my You're family. <laughs> Y'all might want to call my name last. If, if that's what you expect, we, right. we, we not about to obey that order. Like right. they know what I've been through to get to this point. So um, like I said, man, it was a, it was, it was, it was a great moment. Um, my family, we, you know, we get together. We frequently visit that, that time because like I said, man, it was, it was, it wasn't for me, man, it was for everybody. And I, I think about that all the time. Like I never, I never wavered. When I made the decision to go to Tulane, everybody was mad. Every, people don't, like my family know, but Clyde Drexler called me. 
Clyde had just took the job at Houston. Houston. Yep. And Clyde and my cousin played for Portland Trailblazers together. So it was family. And Clyde called me, like, come to Houston, man. It's my first job. Uh, you and G. Gervin to be together in the backcourt. Me and G had played against each other when he was at San Jack. He was like, man, you and G in the backcourt together, uh, you know, whatever. You know. I was like, Clyde, I'm going home. And my family was mad. Everybody was mad. I mean, I'm talking about mad. Why are you coming home? Ain't nothing but trouble here. You go go back to the street. You go get caught up hanging with the bad boy, this and that. And I had a whole different vision from what they were saying. Like, I'm like, you know what, man? Y'all looking at all, y'all looking at me coming home as a negative, and y'all probably right. But I'm gonna turn this into a positive. Some way, somehow, I'm gonna turn this into a positive. I mean, I understand what all y'all saying, and I respect it, and y'all are probably right. If it was somebody else in my family coming back to this, I'll be mad too. But just understand what I'm trying to do. This, you know, this if it was about me, if I went to Cincinnati, I'd have went to Memphis. With, with, with Tick Price. If it was about me, I'd have went to Southern Miss. It, it wasn't about me. It was yep. about everybody else around me and some of my friends, man, who I can, you know, if, if I can, if I can just get one of them dudes to put a gun down for a day, I did, I, I did, you know, I made an impact and that was my whole deal, man. But it was, it was, I'm telling you, it was different, man. I, I had some people upset with me. High school coaches were mad. Like a lot of people like, man, you made it and you coming back? And nobody understood, like, man, it's not for me. Like mm. my brother, my brother around here selling drugs. I got cousins breaking in houses. When I come back, oh, let's go stop. Them dudes got two games a week to come to. Or they can come to practice twice a week. Right. We can, you know what I mean? Like that was my mindset. But um I'm I'm I can't say, man, a lot of a lot of the things I did in my life, um, that's one of my proudest moments because um you know, it it was it was it was a, it was a selfish a selfless act. Yep. You know, now I've I've had several selfish acts in my life, but there was a selfless act um, where a lot of people questioned it. A lot of people questioned me, and um, to this day I look back on it, man. Some of my friends got families and wives and kids, and you know, it wasn't all me, but it was a lot of me going back home and just pulling them out of putting them out of that everyday life for that our, our everyday expectations um, as black kids growing up in the neighborhood. I, I wanted to change some of those expectations and I think I did that. Yeah, it's powerful. I'm, I'm glad you shared. So I've known you all this time. I never knew that part of the story. I just knew yeah. that you went home. So I love yeah, that you nah, shared. Nah, and it, it wasn't about me just going to Tulane, trust me. I mean, yeah, no yeah. Predominantly no, NCAA tournament team or no basketball powerhouse. It makes a lot more sense now. So knowing you and knowing your vision to be different and your uh, convictions that are strong and your uh, belief system, but also your uh, willingness to help and, and wanting to change and, and help us as, as black people, especially as the, the young men that you coach, I know how much you pour into those guys. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, you know what I mean? In, in its own way of just kind of a, a, a local legendary type story, you know what I mean? Those are the stories that, people in the neighborhood still talking about probably to this day and you've changed a lot of lives through that. So sometimes we think that the bigger the stage makes it where you make more impact. But yeah. when you can come back home, you know, and I know in a bigger scale, LeBron James, he wanted to do that with, with, with Cleveland. That's why he wanted to do that. You know, I, I think yeah. there's a lot of guys that have that heart to want to go back home and make 
put your home on the map and and do things in your home that people thought couldn't be done. So I love hearing that about that part of the story. Share how you got into the college game, man. I know you've worked with and you're a part of uh, some some really big family trees in college basketball that don't just happen overnight and aren't easy to get into. You know, so tell us the story of how you kind of got into uh, college basketball and how it all led to where you are now. Man, when I was um when when uh after college, I was I actually played in Venice uh two years. And um my daughter who I had in, in two thousand, um Halloween, October thirty first, two thousand, she was she diagnosed with sickle cell. So um while while I'm overseas, man, she uh, constantly constantly having pain crisis, sickle cell crisis, um uh blood transfusions. Um, she had to have a spleen removed and it just was too much um, on her mom and, and, and her mom's family and my family um, for me to be selfish and be away, you know, chasing my dream and to hear all my people um, and my child back home suffering. So it just was too much. So I decided just to, hey, man, this this is, you know, again, I'm on the back burner. This is about my child. So I decided to stop playing, man, and came back home um, and it all goes back to blessings, man. I was blessed enough to walk across the stage and, and get my degree. Therefore, it gave me opportunities for jobs. Um, I was able to get me a, a, a job, man, working in corporate America, uh, make, making great money. Um, one of the only black males in 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 my company, uh, in that part of the country, uh, in, in that part of the company, uh, I might add. And um, it, man, just everyday life, man, just working, working and being around my family, able to provide for my family, um, being at the hospital with my daughter, uh, being able to go to hospital appointments and hospital visits with my daughter, um, understanding sickle cell and because it was something I had never heard of in my life until it affected me um, and, my, and, and my family due to my, through my daughter. Um, and I was just living, man, just living, um, and after a while, after my daughter got older, um, by the time she, she was maybe six, um, and I was always a dude, man, when I go to a gym, or if I'm riding by a playground, I would see kids playing, I would stop and, you know, talk to them about this and that, but, you know, they all think you old, you don't know what you're talking about, but you know, right. I would always do that for, for for free, for nothing. It just was just who I am, it's just in me. Um, and um, then I started coaching AAU, and, um, one of my old JUCO coaches, Chris Crutchfield, called me, man. We always stay in touch, but and I stay in touch with all my coaches, high school, everybody. But Crush called me one day, man. He was taking a job at Oklahoma. And he was like, man, you was one of the guys who always, him and Perry Clark both would say, man, you was one of the guys who always had an IQ, always had a feel. Like we never had to worry about you when it came to the game and knowing the nuances. Uh, would you want to coach? And I was like, man. I mean, yeah, I, I ain't into politics, but of course, I mean, if I, you know, coaching or whatever, I mean, because you know, I'm just not with, into the, I'm not into the political stuff. I, I think I'm too solid and too real for all of that stuff. I, you know, with a lot, with, with that comes a lot of kissing up and I ain't fake friends, fake hugs. I ain't really with that. I stay in my lane, stay in my circle and then just try to do my thing. And And, and that was my whole point with him. He was like, well, um, you know, you'll be around some really good people. Uh, him and Lou Hill were sort of the same type dudes as me. Um, Lion Kruger don't have a big circle. So Crush kind of went through the dynamics with me. 
and told me they thought it would be good for me, man. And hey, man, I jumped out on fate, man. I left for $83,000 a year job with a kid and went back to grad school. And with me, my whole thing was, hey, man, my, I got my family's blessing. If I fail, at least I have my master's, mm-hmm. which opened up more doors. Right. And, uh, man, I did it, man. I went down, and I was fortunate enough to be around Coach Kruger and learn the game from 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 one of the best. I mean, you talk about a dude who was an NBA coach back in the day when college coaches wasn't in the league. Um, just just an all-around great person, great human being, one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Unbelievable. Um, the dude has a calculator in his brain. Just see, he was phenomenal. You talk about check all the boxes. And I was fortunate enough to be around him. I was fortunate enough to be around Steve Henson, who was also a, a, just a genuine, great all-around person. Um, I used to spend a lot of time with Steve, um, just scouting reports and picking his brain. Um, Crutch, I mean, it's, you know, he ain't really much you can say about that dude. He's one of the best. And then Lou Hill, man, who um, was like a, like Crush was like a, a brother, but Lou was like a dad that I never had because Lou was like me, like Lou was a hood dude. Um, but he, 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 he went through the phase of being uncomfortable and changing to get where he wanted to get to provide for his family. You know, and I was like, these are the kind of people I want to, I want to take from each and every one of them, you know, as I move up this coaching ladder. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was lucky. I mean, I was, I had no idea I would go there and get a job. I had, I had no idea, but it worked out. Um, we have, we happened to play Oral Roberts and Crush introduced me to Oral Roberts entire staff, not just one person, but the entire staff pregame. And lo and behold, after the season, Scott Sutton called me. And it wasn't no interview, it wasn't no nothing. I mean, he was like, enough people speak highly of you, people that I trust, um, people whose opinions I value, would you like the opportunity? And man, I took it and ran with it. And then once again, man, I fell into a situation where you're around great people in a basketball family. Mm-hmm. I was able to be around Scott Sutton, who's as nice of a person um, as there is on the face of this earth. Um, Scott Sutton, who is not, and, and sort of like me, Scott is a regular person. Basketball is his job and basketball is his life, but basketball don't make him. He's not of basketball. Like he's one that showed me that family is important. Like Scott would take his daughter on the road with him. His daughter's on the road with him. So um, like I said, man, I was fortunate enough to be around some great people. Sean Sutton, Kyan Brown, Steve Upshaw, just Conley Phipps, great people. Um, at a great institution also. Um, and, um, you know, again, man, so it's a different part of the country, a different coaching style. Um, I was fortunate enough to be around Eddie Sutton. Um, you know, just, hey man, just a basketball blessing. And um, after, after four years there, Kyle Keller called me, who was one of my coaches at JUCO. And uh, he was at AM at the time, and he told me he was getting a Stephen F. job, and he wanted me to come. Um, and again, man, I'm, I'm like, man, I don't know, man. Like, Coach Sutton's the best. Um, you know, I, 
this might be a dude I want to, you know, be around, um, learning the game, um, in his family. Um, he's not again of basketball. Like some of these dudes are without basketball, there is no them. He's totally different, you know. So um, and I mean one day Coach Sutton came off and was like, wait, if you don't go with Kyle, you crazy. And that was the words I needed to hear because I really wasn't down for change that soon. Right. I had only been there four years. I had been in Oklahoma for a total of five. And he was like, man, you know Kyle, you trust Kyle, you play for Kyle. Um, trust me to be different. And man, I, I again, stepped out on faith, uh, came here to Stephen F. Austin with Coach Keller, man, a guy I played for. And um, hey, once again, man, um, around a around a person that I love and I respect. Um, you know, you hear a lot of coaches use the cliche, the cliche family, family this, family that, family this. Um, this ain't a cliche. I play for him. You know, ain't no more family than that. Right. And I play, I played for the dude when I was 18, 19 years old. And right, you know, so um it just it all worked out. Um it was something I needed. Um Again, getting out of that comfort zone, something I never had a problem doing, um, something I always embraced, getting uncomfortable, and uh, it's worked out for the best, man. I mean, he's a he's a great coach. Um, he 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 genuinely cares. Um, I think he cares a little bit too much. I stand on him about that a lot. Um, I think he put himself and his family. Mm, um, on the back end a lot. Um, when it comes to his players and his program, but that's conversation that he and I have all the time. But again, he cares. Um, and it's been fortunate, man. I mean, his care, his love, his passion, his grind. It, I mean, it shows up and in, in, in what we've been fortunate enough to do here, um, recruited good players. Um, and just, it's just been a blessing, man, to win and, um, you know, continue to win. Um, you know, I, again, like a lot of decisions I made in my life, people told me I was making the wrong decision. Um, what was I thinking? I was a fool. <laughs> I, I, I had one coach tell me, man, you going to Stephen F. Austin with Kyle? Man, you crazy. Um, Y'all can't do what Brad did. You, 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 don't replace a, you don't replace a guy that had that much success. You replace the guy that get fired for replacing the guy that had that much success. I'm saying to myself, man, you know who you're talking to, man. Like, man, my mom, my, my dad, man, I didn't, like, you know where I come from? And that was my driving force. That was the chip on my shoulder. And it's still the chip on my shoulder to this day. I know, of course, Keller has one. Uh, everybody else on the staff has one for whatever reason. I definitely have one. And I think during the recruiting process, we identify kids that have that same chip um, and when they get here, man, we make that body even bigger. And I, I think it's helped us have success. Yeah, let's let's get straight into that, man. I love, again, can, can keep talking about all these different things we can keep sharing because there's a lot of different tangents we could go off and just have a whole, you know, yeah. hour long on just one of those. But yeah. let's talk about Stephen F. Austin. Let's talk about uh, recruiting those players with a chip on your shoulder, recruiting players. Uh, I've been in recruiting battles with you. I don't even know if it's a battle because when you get in a, a conversation of recruiting with Stephen Austin, most of the time you probably want to turn the other way, um, <laughs> to be honest. You know, and, and we talk about it some in the industry, right? Like 
it's it's one thing when Coach Keller is involved with recruiting as a head coach and he works at it as, as much as anybody. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. He's relentless. He's in the gym. He's on the phones. He's connecting. Um, but there are certain assistants that have a tendency to, to, to bring a presence. And I don't know if it's necessarily instill fear, but they definitely make you have to either be on your A game or they make you want to say, you know what, I don't know if it's worth our time. We may not be able to win that battle. And I think you built a reputation uh, way Mason has, especially at Stephen F. Austin. You did it at ORU in a different way, um, but you definitely have done it at Stephen F. Austin um, in a major way. So talk a little bit about the, 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 what you guys have built in your own way, different than the last regime, and all credit to those guys. They did a great job before you, but you guys have done it in a different way than even they did it, and you guys have – put Stephen and Austin even on a different map than they were before. I mean, beating Duke in that game last year, which I'm sure we'll talk more about, but just just touch on some of the milestones, how you guys have done it, what's been the approach uh, shared about Stephen F. Austin that people don't know. Um, man, Coach Keller, he, he, he had a vision, um, as we all do, Brian. I mean, assistant coaches, man, you have, we probably have notebooks and notes and sticky notes everywhere, things you want to do. Right. And, um, Coach Keller, man, one thing about him, uh, he 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 has visions, ideas, dreams uh, throughout his 30 years of coaching. But one thing about him I respect and I love that he also had notes and sticky notes and um, notes on napkins that he jotted over, over his coaching career of things not to do. Like I think a lot of people have things they want to do and they're taking this from this guy that worked for this guy that could... Because Keller, he 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 he's different. He took a lot of notes on what not to do, and I think I, I think that along with his drive and his work ethic, um, you know, has has established a, a culture here, man. That's different because Stephen F. Austin already had a culture. I mean, Danny Casper was a killer. Um, when Brad got here, he was a serial killer. You know, so when we came, everybody looked at us like. Man, y'all gotta. It's no way y'all can keep that standard. There's no way y'all can. And um, I just think, from a standpoint of the staff, man, Coach Keller did a good job of putting the puzzle together of pieces that fit. Like, um, we couldn't have no cowards on this staff. Like, you couldn't have dudes who weren't ready for a fight. Period. Like, whether it was a recruiting battle, whether it was a real fight. Whether it was whatever it was, you couldn't have dudes who were, who were scared because we was coming into a situation where we were already supposed to fail based on the, the level of where this program had been already, you know? So, um, again, man, it was, it's, it's all Coach Keller vision. Um, smart dude, man. Smart dude. Um, and he put together a puzzle that fit. I mean, it, 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 it totally fit. And, um, you know, we just... Everything feeds off him, man. We, we, we knew, okay, recruiting, it's got to be guys like us. It's got to be guys with chips on their shoulders and something to prove, but it's also got to be guys that fit what he want to do. And, I mean, we just kind of followed that, kind of followed that script, man, and, and we've been fortunate. I mean, um, simple, man, just like everybody else, try to get better every day, every day. Like, we lose sleep. Um, behind not getting better. When you leave, you don't think you got better that day. I think as a staff as a whole, we lose sleep. And um, we just try to get the, the players to um, wanna win 
want to care as much as we do. Um, and I think another thing um, that that's helped us um, in winning on the court is 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 our focus in winning off the court. Um, you know, we have so many guys on our staff who won off the court, and I think that's talked about. You know, in our walls and in our locker room, more than winning on the court. You know, we you have Coach Kellerman and 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 uh, being fired, um, this job, that job, this job, that job. He had to have. He had. To, he 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 had to be resilient, and win off the court. Uh, Jeremy Cox, this dude been fired so much. I mean, he have professional movers on speed dial. He definitely had to be resilient. And then me, I mean, just my upbringing, um, last season battling cancer. I mean, so our guys see winners outside of basketball, you know, and and so I, I think that coincides with us being able to be demanding um, and getting the best out of them and then winning take care of itself. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You touched on uh, a big topic, and I was obviously, you know, being a friend of yours and being somebody who's in your corner, yeah. uh, I was I was on the phone texting you probably more than you oh, yeah. probably wanted me to. Um, I was, uh, you know, I took a trip to drive down to NAC after, you know, uh, when you, when you- First surgery. First surgery. Yep, first surgery. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's a heavy topic even for me because um, I got so much joy in my heart for you and knowing not only what you went through and how you finally got to get some of the roses that you deserve in this industry, people started recognizing, people started reaching out, people started showing love. And I remember the Duke game literally like surveying to make sure that I was pretty sure you were already there. But when I knew you were there, I was like, this is God right here. You know yeah. what I mean? This and is God. You, you, you can't beat, you can't have that historic of win for, for talk about legacy you talked about. You talked about having that chip on your shoulder. You talked about having that belief and that vision. Uh, you talked about, I can't lose. And you took that into that battle with cancer. And not only did you get to overcome it, but then you got to coach with your team again. And then you got to have this historic win. So talk about uh, the diagnosis, whatever you want to share, when you found out, how you found out, and then just that journey to where you are now. It was a hell of a journey, man. I think about it every single day, um, several times a day. It is crazy, man, because uh, when you actually came down to see me in the hospital, that was after the first surgery. Like, I thought everything was good. Like We, we both did. <laughs> yeah, I don't forget, man, like waking up out of surgery and then like, we got it. It was just a, a, a um, get well phase. Like, get out of the hospital, get your strength back, and you'll be okay. And I never forget, man, sitting there talking to you and just getting out of the hospital and thinking I was good, man. I'm thinking, okay, that was just a bump in the road. I'm back full speed. And man, that was in June. And then here in July, I mean, I got to get the word that it spread. And now it stays forward. This just was a complete whirlwind. Um, but once again, man, um, it wasn't me, man. Like, it wasn't nothing I did. People ask me all the time. I definitely, I did an interview with MD Anderson on yesterday. Like people ask me all the time, man, what you did? How you, just, I just, I just lived, man. Like I lived and, um, you know, like my grandmother would always tell me, like I let go and I let go. Like I let go of me and let go of thinking I can control every situation. And right. I, and, 
and I put it in the hands of the Lord. And it was a lot of prayers from a lot of different people. And 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 then I was I was forced to overcome, man. But uh, it, it ain't no script to beating cancer. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm still afraid. Um, I got a CT scan in December. I don't know if it's coming back. Um, I pray there to that it doesn't, but um, I, I don't know. Um, I just knew from a standpoint of, okay, what I gotta do? Like, can't cry, um, can't fold, can't lose. Because once again, it's not about me. I had a hell of a run. Like, I had a hell of a life. I had a hell of a run. I have kids. You know, um, this world is, 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 is savage. My kids are not killers. My kids didn't grow up like I did. So my mind instantly went to, all right, man, like, I don't know how long I got left to live. Um, I got to do whatever I got to do um, to instill as much of me in them while I have time. And that's what my focus switched to, man. Like, it wasn't about um, the cancer no more. It wasn't about... Stephen F. Austin, it wasn't about basketball. It wasn't about my family. It was about my son and my daughter. I like, I got to make them killers overnight. Like they got to be able to see the real from the fake. Um, they got to be, you know, they, they just got to be, you know, deal with life as it come. Um, you know, they got to be able to hustle if need be. Um, they got to, they got to be educated. They got to be able to, you know, go on, go on MLK Boulevard and hold their own. They got to be able to go on Wall Street and hold their own. Um, you know, they just got to be able to, you know, play, you know, they just got to be able to live in the world on the world terms. And, and, and my whole focus shifted to that. So with that being my focus, I knew I had to do whatever I had to do to make it. Like whatever the doctors told me, I had to do it. I couldn't cry. I couldn't fold. I couldn't think negative. I just had to think win every day. And, and that was my deal. Every, every day I lay down at night, no matter the, the, the pain the chemo, the nausea, the vomiting, whatever it was, every night I went to sleep, I was, man, did I win this day? Like, did I win? Did I complain? Did I not better my kids' lives? Like, did I not take another step to prepare them mentally? Like, I had a checklist, and, and, and I checked off that list every night before I went to sleep, and the next morning I woke up ready to attack it again. And, um, I mean, that's... That's how, um, that was my focus. Now, once again, though, how I overcame and how I beat it, simple, man. Like the old folks would always tell me, man, I let go and I let God. So many times we think we control situations, we control this, we control that, we want things on our time. And, and I fight with that to this day. But when I sit down and really, really, really think and evaluate what's going on around me, man, you don't control nothing. Like nothing moves on your time. It, and, and so many people fight with that. And that's why I tell people all the time, cancer wasn't, cancer wasn't a curse to me. It wasn't a gift either. Wasn't a gift. I mean, I still have a, a, a port in my chest and you know, still gotta take CT scans and this and that, but vitamins and all kinds of stuff. But it wasn't a curse. It wasn't a gift, but it was in the middle. Like I needed it not only for me, but once again, for all my boys and all my friends, and the first thing I did when I was diagnosed, man, I called all my boys, like, yo, man, go get a colonoscopy. Man, what's that? I had boys that's in their 40s and didn't have a clue what that was. I called, never forget, man, called Carrie Kittles. I'm like, Slim, man, go, you, you gotta get a colonoscopy. 
oh man, my doctors told me I don't need that till I'm 50. I'm like, you gonna argue with me? Like I have cancer. Like I'm telling you, don't right. do what I did. Just right. go get it. So he coming back like a week later. Man, I made my appointment. Man, you was right, man. You was right. I'm like, duh. Like I'm telling you, I'm going through it. I ain't. This ain't nothing. I'm assuming. I'm dealing with this. And that you wouldn't believe how many people I had those conversations with, man. But again, man, like I was a vessel. Like God was using me to touch people that I love and people in my circle, man. And I have boys. To not only my boys, but their wives hit me. Like, man, he went. My whole family, they went. They had their colonoscopy, they, they, they find everything. You know, cause my thing was, man, we don't know. We don't know, we not, we from the hood, man. We ain't educated on that. Like dudes was in their forties and they ain't never had one. I, me, I had never had one. I was forced to have one because of initially how I was feeling and I went to the doctor and it went from a, um, me being anemic to, have you, have, have you ever had one? No doc, I haven't. You need to have one and be waking up from one and them telling me I have cancer, you know? So like I said, man, I was, it was God's plan. It was God's will. And he, 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 he used me and, and, and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine with that. When I had my diagnosis at MD Anderson, you go through a whole week, man, a test and this, I mean, you, I mean, I mean, it's, it's tests about tests about other tests and tests and they get it all right. Go through your family tree, everything. And that last day, man, you going with your family and they let you know um, what, what the diagnosis is. And they told me after going through my family tree, it doesn't run in my family that I was the luck of the draw. And I'm like, oh man, you gotta be kidding me. Like, <laughs> why, could not, why could my luck be winning the lottery? But right, right. You know, like once again, man, you know, hey man, if if God chose me to do it, let's do it. You know, but I know me going through this will benefit a lot of people. Not 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 benefit per se, but wake a lot of people up to take the next step and and making sure that they they're healthy, you know. So um and 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 again, man, it went from me having sickle cell to um like man, how you handle that to how you handle your daughter had man, hey man, I couldn't cry one day. Like I snapped out of it so quick. Because I'm thinking to myself, man, here, how, like, how can I cry about having cancer and my daughter have sickle cell? Like, she can't be sickle cell. That's for the rest of her life. So how could I possibly be down and cry about something that I have a chance to actually be? And hey, man, I, like I say, put it in the hands of the Lord and fought it every day and, 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 and kept it moving. Yeah, inspirational story for all of college basketball as you were going through it, man. I know you got texts from all over and, and a lot of prayers man. Out, a lot, lot of prayers, prayers a lot of people rallying but it just kind of gave that uh it's, it's just kind of an, another explanation point to your story and who you are of just being that warrior being that uh you know there, there's a saying god gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers right yep. and so you being that soldier that other people can draw strength from like okay not only did he make it out like his cousin made it out, he came back and he did something that nobody wanted him to do and he made it to a positive. So that changed lives. Yeah. Then you get into college basketball and you're changing lives of what you do every day and how you impact young people and share your story and relate to them. Then you have this not wanted thing happen to you, right? Nobody wants that. No. But you made it into a positive because of how you approached it, because of how you spoke about it, because of how you, I mean, you're coaching the games. You, you're back in practice. It's like, 
coach, go sit down. Nah, I'm not sitting down. Like yeah. I didn't sit, I didn't put all that time fighting behind the scenes yeah. to just go sit on the couch. Yeah. Like I want, I want to be able to be to do what I love to do, do what I was born to do, and and, yeah. and inspire people that way. So um, it, it, it's almost like uh, again, strongest soldiers. I just love that. I don't love that it happened to you, but I love how you have spun it the whole time. And I, of course, I was, you know, not there in Nacogdoches with you every day, but as much as I could, I was on your phone, blowing you up, wearing you out, like making sure even if you did have a bad moment that, you know, you're allowed to be human. So uh, I love what you- Never forget it. Yeah, have been able to do. So proud to call you a friend, man. You inspired uh, so many of us. It's like, how could I, how could I think I have, I'm having a bad day? When I'm, I, I've seen him, I, I saw him and I know what he felt when he thought it was over. Yeah. And then it came, you know, find out even more. So I, I'm just so proud of you. And I love that more people get to know the inside of your story because more people, even in the college basketball ranks, like you said, you put your head down, you stay in your lane. You don't worry about the politics. So people don't really always get to know Wade Mason, like, like maybe those that have gotten to know you. So I think it was a great insight that God used to use a, tough situation to bring light, not only to you, but to inspire more people, you know, and now you're one of the people that people look at like, yo, you can, you can beat this, you know, some people don't have a visible person that they know that has cancer no, in their life. Right. I yeah. Right. So, so to be that, tough. which is right. tough, you know, so to be that person now, I think just goes so much to you. Uh, so, so I end with two questions or, or I'll, I'll kind of shift to two more questions. How is your coaching style? It was already different, right? You already had a different security and comfort and, and confidence and swagger about how you do things. But how has your coaching style changed? Um, and, and then what's one thing that you would want people to know about you that they don't really know, that they don't get a chance to know, maybe because they don't, they don't take the time to get to know or maybe they don't have an access to get to know you. What's, what's something you'd want people to know about Wade Mason? And then how has it changed your coaching approach? Um, man, my coaching style um, has definitely changed. Um, I'm to the point now where um, I'm a I'm a perfectionist, and 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 I've diagnosed myself. Not a doctor. I was a fake doctor. I I I diagnosed myself with OCD. Like I'm one of them dudes where if my shoebox not turned the right way, if it's not, it, like it's it's, right. it's it's sickening. Trust me, um, you know. But um, and 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 I fought that. Like everything can't be perfect. Turn the blind out of this. Let this go. Deal with this next week. Now I'm like, no. Like whatever I see that's not right, I correct it. Like if I see a kid not in the stance on the play, I might give him the next play to see if he. But then I got to correct it. Like I I can leave. Um. No stone unturned, if you understand what I'm saying. Because again, I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. Like I can't put off today for tomorrow. I can't put off this moment right here for tomorrow because there might not be a tomorrow. And that has changed with me. Um, I'm, I'm meticulous. I was always meticulous, but now it's like everything. A, a kid might make a shot. Man, that wasn't a good shot. You didn't find the seams. They're like, dang, cool. it went in, you know, but. It's like I gotta tell you now because I might not be able to tell you tomorrow. Mm. Like I've, I've, I think I've, I think I value every second, every moment now, as opposed to uh, pre-cancer. I was like, okay, oh well, keep it moving, deal with it tomorrow. No, let's deal with it now. 
let's deal with it. Let's deal with it now. It might not be a tomorrow. So from a coaching standpoint, definitely, um, I've definitely changed when, uh, in, in that instance. And then um, something I want people to know about me, man, just never, never, never quit, man. Like um, it's redundant. You hear it all over again. Um, it's simple and plain, um, but so many times in life, people quit, whether mentally, physically, emotionally, people quit. And um, I'm one who've never quit nothing in my life, like nothing. Like um, at six years old, man, my mom was arrested for possession of crack. I mean, my brother talk about it. We laugh about it all the time. She was arrested when I was six, my brother was five. And uh, we stayed stayed in our apartment that night by ourselves. Um, didn't didn't let, let our family know. The next day, my aunt came, happened to come by, and boy, what y'all doing here by yourself? And then it went to, you know, us going to live here, going to live there, and ended up with my grandmother. But quit never crossed my mind. Um, my dad dying of heroin overdose. Quit never crossed my mind. Um, you know, not having stuff other kids had growing up. Quit never crossed my mind. It just, in no instance, quitting has ever crossed my mind. And I know so many people, loved ones, friends of mine, who who've quit. You know, my, this if there's something I want people to uh, remember about me and my legacy, never don't quit, man. Like, put it in the hands of the Lord. Pray, and do your part to change whatever situation you're in. Um, that you're not proud of, uh, 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 whatever situation that you want to better, but don't quit. Don't, don't quit. Quitting is not an option. Like I tell my kids all the time, ain't, ain't no quitting. Like I took my, my, um, my son play golf one time and he, he, he swung and missed the ball and he was so disappointed. He was like, dad, I, I ain't never did it before. I'm like, so what? We doing it now. Whether you great at it or suck at it, we ain't go quit. And like quitting is, I'm allergic to quitters. Mm. Like, I, I can't, I can't stand bullies, and I can't stand quitters, and I have major problems with like major problems with those two enticing individuals, and that's something I want people to um just not only take from me, but um when you think about me, think about never quit, man, like never, um in in no situation, um whatever whatever life throws at you, never quit. Um, deal with it, deal with it, you know, to the best you can, man. Um, fold before you quit. Just just fold and, 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 and just empty your tank before you quit. But um, make sure it's hard to live with yourself um, knowing you had something left in your tank and you quit. Because as you said, it's somebody, you might not be able to see them, um, you might not believe it, but it's somebody somewhere whose situation is worse than yours. And, and and that's hard for a lot of people to fathom, man. Like even me being diagnosed with cancer, you know, I go down to MD Anderson, man, which is a whirlwind, a whirlwind. Um, and I go down there, man, there's people who, who cancer is terminal. <clears throat> like they got dates. Like they got dates where they're going to expire. And I'm like, man, here I'm walking around here, man, like, woe is me, the end of the world. And these people go die. 
and they know when they go die. And here I got a chance to beat it and, and live life. I'm like, oh no, man. You know, like, nah, it's always somebody whose situation is worse than yours. Like growing up, I hated the saying, um, my grandmother would tell me, you know, I got a pair of pro kids or whatever, you know, fake Stan Smith's Adidas. Uh, mine, mine says Stan Johnson instead of Stan Smith. And you know, <laughs> all the kids at school, you know, ribbing me and wind up having a fight. And she would always tell me, you crying and complaining about shoes when a man crawled the street don't have no feet. And, 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 and you know, I, I would hear it and it would resonate. And I was like, man, I don't want to hear all that. Man, I want you there, everybody, you know, but um, it's always somebody whose situation is worse than yours, man. So how could you quit? And that's hard for a lot of people. Uh, that, hey, man, it's not easy. That's hard for a lot of people. It, right. it, it is. It, it is. It, it's, 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 it's truly hard because even with me telling you this, it's certain situations where you really, really might think it's the worst or it's the lowest. And it might be for you, but it's not in the grand scheme of things. It's not, you know, so. Yeah, well said. Well said. I, I, I would love to end, and I, I'm, I'm going to project this. You don't have to say it, but scenario-wise, right, let's say you're blessed with the opportunity to lead a program, which I know how qualified you are. Those that know you know how qualified you are. But we do know there's an element sometimes in college basketball where you never know how things are going to go. Yeah. But let's say that that blessing does happen. You're leading the program. Either you're at your introductory press conference or you're just having your first team meeting with your team as a, as a head division one coach. What, other than not quitting, because I think you've established that, what will your team, what will your program represent? What would that look like for you uh, in, in that? And we'll kind of phase out on that. Um, family, which goes back to the beginning of our conversation. Um, everything's going to be about family. Um, we go win together. We go struggle together. We go cry together. Family. We go do what families do. Um, love, because you can't have no success without love. I mean, we, we, we see that right now in our times with this country. I mean, Amen. you can't have any type of success without love and no type of relationship. And then respect, respect. I mean, you go respect who you are. Um, you go respect the program that you represented. Um, you go respect your family till you don't do nothing to embarrass your family's name. Um, you go respect your teammates. And then you go respect your opponents enough to better yourself to beat them. And, and, and those are, I mean, my pillar, everybody have different ones, but those are my pillars um, that I think incumbent in, in, in come, you know, um, you can lump a lot of things into those three pillars, in my opinion. No, I love that. I, I've actually never heard that. I've heard a lot of them, but I, I, I love the respect part. Um, most people don't really always realize. Because, like, because respect, if I respect Stephen F. Austin, the program, I'm going to compete. Yep. I'm going to do what I got to do to win. I'm going to do what I got to do to, to, to keep it at the standard uh, where I found it yep. because I respect it. Yep. Or because I love it. Or because this is my family. And so, you know. You spawn in a lot of ways. Respect your teammates. That helps you be a better teammate. Respecting yeah. your opponent. That helps yeah. you be more ready to respect yeah. the process of yeah. being great. Yeah. Respecting. I mean, there's so much that goes into that. So I love yeah. that. Yeah. That aspect. And then most people don't always want to put love in there. It's like, it's almost, I think it's assumed, but that's, 
that's the most powerful weapon we have. I say it all the, the time. Most powerful man. The that's most powerful. So I, I love, I love that you had those. Well, I love today, man. I'm, I'm honored. Like I said, I don't. I know this is not really your thing. This is not your lane. I can't say enough how extremely humbled and grateful I am that you came on. I love that more people get to know your story. Um, so I'll let you kind of close with whatever words you want to close with, and then I just thank you so much for coming on, man. Always in your corner, always a brother to me, and whatever I can do, I'm always going to do, and still praying for you and pulling for pulling for the Lumberjacks now that I'm not in the league no more, now that I don't have to recruit against you no more. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, nah, man. I, hey, man, I, I appreciate you having me. Um, you know, like I say, with, with you, it's, 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 it's way – way bigger than basketball. Um, like a lot of times I talk to people about um, real relationships and working relationships. Like um, it's real with us and we don't have to talk every day. Um, this dude was there for me when a lot of people wasn't. Not that they had to be, they didn't have to be. That's not, they don't, they don't owe me that, but I respect the fact that you was. I didn't ask you to come to the hospital. Didn't, you did it on your own. You know, and I appreciate it to this day. My mom appreciated it to this day. Uh, Coach Kelly and my staff appreciate it to this day. Like, you know, it's, it's appreciated by me and people I love. Um, you know, so when it comes to you, man, um, respect, like I say, was never about basketball. Because to me, I can never respect you as a basketball coach or a basketball person if you're not a good person. <laughs> you know, and, and one thing I could say about you, and and, and, and I will stand on it, that you are a good person. Um, you, 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 you know, you, 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 you anointed, um, and you, you just a good person, man. Like I, I mean, you talk about stuff and and dealing with this business when I'm ready to punch somebody in their face, you know, right. you wanted to do as I hit, you know what I mean? You got to reel me back in sometimes. And, 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 and I have enough respect, belief in you to know that you go reel me back in. Yep. You know, it's been a lot of times I'm ready to go to gas and pump one of them dudes in their mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> real quick. I have to talk to you real, you know, you tell me like, well, yeah, you know, but, you know, it's just really, I have that much respect and love for you and the person that you are. It ain't about basketball. I don't call you about B. How should I guard this? Or what do you think about this action? It ain't about that with you. You know, it's about real life and real life situations with you. And, and that's the ultimate respect of a man to me. Yep. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. Like I said, I I was shot. Uh, so Nietzsche, of course, is behind the scenes making things happen. For, and uh, I, I couldn't believe it. Really, I had to, I had to go back to it a few times. Like Wade didn't say he's coming on. You sure you messaged the right person? Wade ain't coming on. Wade don't do stuff like this. You don't know Wade like I know Wade. So like I ain't doing all that. Big, big deal. Big big deal to me, man. I think a lot of people will get a lot from it, and I, I'm glad you're willing to do it. And like I said, I'm. I'm in your corner. I'm excited to see what you'll continue to do and the lives you'll impact, continue to impact, man. So salute to you, man. Good luck this season. Stay healthy and uh, look, looking forward to it, man. Appreciate so much you coming on. Appreciate it, bro. Okay, man. All right, later.